Episode 1, Five by Firelight, Part 1. Hi, this is Dragnacarta, DM for Curse of Strahd, Twice Bitten. You're listening to the Twice Bitten Podcast, a campaign where five Curse of Strahd DMs head back into the mists for a hauntingly familiar adventure. Starring Jack as Betrion, Kaya as Lillison, Linus as Amity, Serena as Kiva, and Twy as Erthrandir. You can catch the horror live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Twitch at twitch.tv slash rcurseofstrahd, or watch new episodes every Monday on YouTube at youtube.com slash c slash rcurseofstrahd. You can also listen to new episodes of this podcast weekly at anchor.fm slash twice-bitten, or wherever you like to syndicate your podcasts. Now, let's get right to Ravenloft. Welcome to Curse of Strahd, Twice Bitten. Uh, I am your DM and host, Dragna Carta. Uh, you might know me as moderator on the Curse of Strahd subreddit, or the author of Curse of Strahd Reloaded, a uh, module guide. Uh, today, we're going to be going through uh, Twice Bitten, an all-new rules-as-written campaign, sponsored by the Curse of Strahd subreddit and a few other uh, friendly faces. Um, the goal of this campaign will be explored a little bit more during our break today. Uh, we'll have a bit of a fireside chat between me and our producer, uh, fellow moderator Shaplukas, explaining what the background of the stream is. But for now, this is a Mitley Rules as Written Curse of Strahd stream without any changes from the original campaign to see what exactly Curse of Strahd looks like when run with the full gothic horror intent. So, don't want to spend too long on that, but again, welcome to everyone watching. We're extremely glad to have you. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to some of the cast. So... Uh, let's start with uh, start welcoming people in. And Serena, why don't you go first? Hi, everyone. My name is Serena, and I am a Curse of Strahd DM. Uh, my campaign ended a few months ago, and since then I've been working on a Southern Gothic reskin of Curse of Strahd and a 5e conversion of some older Ravenloft modules. Um, I'll be playing Kiva on Twice Bitten, and I cannot wait to go on this adventure with everyone. All right, welcome, Serena, and thank you for being here. Uh, just a quick note to everyone, you might have seen the icon in the upper left corner of the Twitch overlay change. Uh, that will change dynamically based on who is speaking at any given time. Uh, so you might see my image popping up right now, and you might have seen uh, Serena's image as Kiva, who you will meet shortly, popping up when she was going as well. So uh, thank you, Serena. And Twy, you're up next. Who are you, and what are you doing here? Hey, well, I'm, my name's Twy. I am also a former Curse of Strahd DM, and... In the process of DMing it, I fell in love with both the module and with Ravenloft in general. So when Dragna here gave me the chance to be a part of this something like this, I jumped at the chance. I will be playing Aerithrendir today, and I am really excited to see what happens and hoping we don't die. Well, too much. Too much. You can have a little death as a treat. <laughs> All right. Uh, with that, thank you, Twy. Kaya, how about you go next? Hi, my name is Kaya, and I am a Curse of Strahd DM. My Curse of Strahd game recently wrapped up after 11 months and 42 sessions, just in time for me to go through it all over again as a player. Here on Twice Bitten, I will be playing Lilisen, and I hope you'll enjoy finding out more about her today. All right, thank you, Kaya. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Jack, and I'm realizing this is kind of like a uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. Hi, I'm a DM, and I play Curse of Strahd. Uh, so, Jack, with that cheerful thought in mind, uh, who are you and what are you doing here? 
the first step is admission. Uh, hello, I am Jack. Uh, I'm currently running a heavily modified version of Curse of Strahd that takes place in Southern California in 1983 called Barovia, California. Uh, available to listen to now at blackprojectgaming.com. Shameless prog. Uh, I will be playing Metreon, who is very pink, and I'm hoping that all my bets in the Deadpool pay off. All right, thank you, Jack. And finally, last but not least, Linus. Hi, my name is Linus. I played Curse of Strahd under Dragna before, and it was so good, I'm doing it again. My own Curse of Strahd campaign is also running strong. Uh, today, I'll be playing Amity, and I can't wait to find out about everyone else's pointy-eared characters. Perfect, and a little bit of spoilers there, but oh uh, well. Uh, so, uh, just to let everyone know real quick, the VOD of this stream will be available on our YouTube channel, uh, come Monday, I believe. Our producer, Shaplukas, uh, will be taking care of the upload for that. Uh, but I think that's all of our introductory remarks out of the way and announcements. Uh, we'll have some more stuff after the break, but for now, uh, welcome all, and let's get started with Curse of Strahd, Twice Bitten. A striking elven female with an almost ritualized poise, Kiva Cyrilai always endeavors to be a level-headed mediator and a soothing presence in the lives of all she meets. Determined to look ever forward, she relies on controlling day-to-day -day chaos. Anyone who watches her for long enough, however, can clearly see there's something undeniably feral and unpredictable bubbling under the surface. In the company of these fine strangers, he is just Metreon. But across the Sword Coast, he's known as Metreon the Magnificent. He is a tiefling whose body and dress carry the signatures of a nomadic performer, as evidenced by the rougher edges of his costume and his sinewy frame covered in faded tattoos. Though he may not look like a typical magician, rest assured, he cleans up quite handsomely. The well-dressed, well-spoken half-elf who introduced herself as Lilisen has stayed away from the rest of the traveling group during the journey so far. Oh, she's friendly enough if someone strikes up a conversation with her. Charming, even. But left to her own devices, she invariably keeps to herself, and even looks nervous when anyone comes within ten feet of her. Amity, a terrifying deviloid with a tail that will knock your drink over if she gets too excited. Even worse, some pig follows her around and eats almost as much as she does. Yet, she's generous and easy to befriend, especially if you get her talking about her book of fables. Just, if she compares you to a fox, it's hard to tell if that's a compliment. Erythrindir is a high elf man who looks perpetually like he's never quite gotten enough sleep. After his departure from elven society, he found himself out in the wilderness, working as a ranger in the deep, deep woods. However, this did little to quell his passion for history, and he's found himself on the road to Neverwinter, hoping to track down a book that might hold the answer to a question he's held for a long, long time. Alright everyone, welcome back, and let's get started. It's a chill night in the Neverwinter Woods, and the cherry red flames of a flickering campfire are a welcome change from the cold breeze that's wafting through the trees tonight. 
Around the hearth stand five lonely tents, and the canopy above is parted to reveal a misty sky and a large waxing moon overhead. Five individuals sit around the campfire, enjoying the opportunity to rest their feet following a long day of travel. After encountering one another at the Green Dragon Inn in the small village of Coneyberry the previous night, you agree to band together for safety on the road in case of bandits, or worse. For now, however, you have made camp for the night in a small grove a few dozen yards away from the Tribor Trail to the south. Neverwinter, your mutual destination, lies a several day journey to the west and north. But for now, the comfort of civilization is far away. And the sound of your campfire mixes with the distant calls of birds, the whispering of the trees, and the gentle creaking of the branches above. As you finish setting up your camp and settle in after an evening meal, the night is yours. What are you all doing? Metreon is going to go ahead and start taking some of the stuff off of the cart, just kind of situating himself. I assume uh, we each have our own tent? Uh, yes, each one of you, I believe, would likely have brought your own housings. Uh, and actually, what does Metreon's cart look like? It's a pretty standard cart, though it is finely made. It looks like he might have spent a pretty penny on it. But otherwise, it's not terribly decorated at all. However, the rest of the party sees that he has been carrying along this very large, five or six feet long leather satchel, <laughs> something kind of rustling inside of it. But he takes the, the sack off and starts to shuffle it into his tent. For those who don't know, he does have kind of a deeper pink skin complexion, very stark white hair, uh, is dressed in this very oversized uh, leather trench coat, and beneath that, some very fine trousers and tunic his hand and his neck appear to be covered in like faded tattoos one of his fingers actually has this seems to be very well crafted very finely made silver signet ring on it perfect well metron is unloading his wagon what's everyone else doing um does not have a cart she is pretty much just carrying around a backpack and setting up her small tent which is really just like a cloak against a tree she is very tightly wound, one might say. She holds herself very closed off. So she's mostly getting her little cloak set up and then she's sitting and she's almost rhythmically tapping on her knees and just looking around her at every like pop and crackle that's coming by in the woods. Here's a real question. Which one of us would have started the fire? <laughs> well, it certainly wouldn't have been Lillison who is sitting 10 feet from the fire, as far as she can from the rest of you, just sitting on a nearby boulder with a book open on her lap. She is dressed in fine clothing in browns and greens, a little bit of intricate filigree embroidery on the edges. Every so often, just glancing up, glancing around at the woods, then returning her attention to her book. She has a backpack, but it seems to be an unfamiliar weight on her. As you've been traveling, she's been shuffling it every so often, and uh, beginnings of a sunburn showing on her face. Amity probably didn't start the fire, but she's loading some vegetables and meat into a big pot and starting to get a stew bubbling on top of it. Anyone want to share? Uh, plenty of room in the pot for um, more meat and vegetables. I don't have my own, but I'll certainly partake in yours. Um, I, I suppose that's all right. Well, uh, we're all traveling together. I mean, unless there's any objections to sharing a meal together, I feel like, hmm, what's, what's the harm in bonding? 
All I've got are dry rations, love, but I can give you some of those if you need something crunchy on the side. Uh, sure, that would be, that would be, um, I think we can make something so delicious out of that if we spice it up a bit. You know, speaking of bonding, I feel like we've been journeying together for a full day and we've like barely talked to each other. Well, I think we all have been busy. I, I know I'm not used to being on the road much, so I've been focusing on making sure I don't trip over my own two feet, but you're right, it has been a bit inconsiderate on that front. <sighs> Tell y'all what. Let's get this stew going and then sit down for a minute, rest, maybe see who on earth we're traveling with. Fine this idea. Is, yeah. And the person saying this is a elven man who is the person who started the fire, although admittedly it was not without some bit of difficulty. He's tall with dark red hair, and about ten minutes before this, he was sitting down with a bow drill, a plank, and quite a bit of dedication which did not end up working out for him. So in the end, he looks around, mutters an incantation, and sends a blast of fire into the pile of wood, setting it alight, and then picks up his drill kind of bemusedly and then throws it into the woods. But for the moment, he is clustering around the fire, watching what Amity is doing with significant interest. I should also describe Amity, who is basically red-colored, and she also has a quite long tail, which is currently curled around a small pig in a friendly fashion. A pig who seems quite interested in the uh, food in the pot. All right. Tell you what, I've got a few spices in this pack of mine. Let's put them all together, see what we get, and see if we can get the bookworm over there to join us. Um, ma'am, would you be interested in having supper with us? Oh, uh, yes, that would be... Quite lovely. Um, do, do you need any help? I have, well, not all that much, but... Uh, if you've got any vegetables, that'd be lovely. Elsewise, we're having essentially meat and potatoes, which is nice, but not really good long-term. And wine, yeah. if anyone uh, would like. And Metreon will take out a wine skin and toss it over to Amity. I can't say I have any vegetables on me, but if you need... I, I don't even know what they packed for me. Is this is this hard tack? Well, it certainly ain't soft tack. That is some... That is way bread if I've ever seen it. Do you want some? Yeah, sure. That'd be lovely. Erythrindir reaches over and, with difficulty, snaps off a piece. Uh, man, they uh, really do not make traveling rations like they used to. Haltak honestly isn't so bad with some fruit. Amity looks around, a little bit nervous at the, the dark forest around them. Can't say I really want to go foraging right now, though. Yeah, I don't mind going if you need someone to go look. Just stay close to the fire if you do. You don't want to run into stuff at this time of year. Some of us have already run into stuff, haven't we? And she's going to get up and pull her scimitar, and she's going to just look around the near area to the camp and see if there's any fruits or berries or something like that. Sure. All right. Make a uh, survival check for me. Oh, God. First roll of the game. Here we go. No pressure. Now 20. Let's do it. Set the tone. Hey. It's a 14. That's not bad. All right. A 14. You spend some time foraging through the underbrush, spending a few minutes while the others relax around the campfire. After a few minutes of searching, you do find a small bush with what appear to be a few uh, bright blue-colored berries upon it. 
they have a bit of a sweet smell to them, but you don't immediately recognize them. All right, Kiva's going to grab a bunch of them and sort of like pull her cloak out from her armor and make a little cloth basket and bring them back over to the group and show them off. Um, I'm not entirely sure if these are safe for eating or not, but I figured I'd bring them over nonetheless. Do they look like anything any of us might have encountered before? Or? Anyone who would like to may roll a nature check to see if they recognize these berries. I did not roll very well on that. That's a What'd natural one. Oh, no. I'm willing to try them. I I will let you all know. Well, don't go dying on us. I don't think any of us have any potions with us, do we? Afraid not. I mean, and no they won't kill her. Worst will do is give her a... It, you know what? Let's not go into that. Yes, thank you. Um, here. Little Sun is going to stand up edge only as close as necessary to pick up one of the berries and eat it. All right. You sample the berry briefly, tasting it. It does taste about as sweet as it smells. And as you swallow it, it doesn't seem, you know, acrid or have an odd sort of undertaste. It seems not delicious, but reasonably tasty. Oh, this is actually quite pleasant. All right. Well, good she, to know. She's still alive. That's a, that's a good sign. Well, the poison wouldn't set in for another, like, three hours. I mean, yes. Yes, that's good. Good sign. Kiva will roll her eyes and hand everyone a handful of the berries. Thank you. Um, if the poison won't set in for another three hours, then uh, Emily sort of stashes them in her a pocket. I, it was a joke. It was a, it was, it was a, they're fine. They're, they're fine. Don't know. Live a little. And uh, Metreon will sprinkle in some of the berries into the stew and take the wine skin back from Amity and pour some more wine into the pot as well. Well, I, I'd prefer to live a lot. <laughs> Fair point. And uh, take uh, another swig of the wine skin and start to kind of mosey around, tidying up my little camp area, finding some like larger logs and kind of like positioning them around the campfire, maybe even draping a couple pelts and things like that over them. Well, with my last three hours left to live, what, what brings you all on the road to Neverwinter? I should at least like to know who I've been traveling with. I oh. actually used to live there as a child. Um, I haven't been back in quite some time, so I'm looking forward to getting home and seeing some old friends. It should be nice. Oh, that's lovely. Why'd you end up leaving? Uh, after my father died, I met someone and... Uh, we decided to move out a little bit more into the woods and start a family, so I, I was out there for quite some time. Well, I noticed that someone's not here. Uh, no, he's not. Well, uh, is there a reason for that? Uh, he's dead too, and my daughter, oh. so sort of traveling on my own at this point. I'm so sorry to hear that. Oh, it's nothing to worry about. It's uh, it's all ancient history, I suppose. Well, here, darling. You, you need this more than I do. And I'll toss her my wineskin. Thank you. I, um, yeah, thanks. And she will drink heavily from the wineskin. I know we barely know each other, but do you want to talk about it? Not particularly. I'm more interested in learning more about you. It seems like you've got a couple other 
elven sort of folks. And I have to say, I, I haven't seen a tiefling in person before, so if you don't mind me asking, um, where are you all from? I'm from here, there, and everywhere else, up and down the Sword Coast. I'm actually on my way to Neverwinter for work. Uh, I've been booked to be the resident entertainer for a month uh, at the luxurious Slithering Serpent Inn. Ooh, congratulations. That's uh, quite an accomplishment. Wow, yes. Thank you, thank you. I, I do hope that you all come by and uh, patronize me. Is, what sort is... of things do you do? Do you, do you play anything or any instruments? Uh, no, I'm actually, uh, I do a bit of magic. Oh, oh now that we do have to see. Uh, not tonight, you know, I, I, I need to preserve my uh, energy, you know, for the stage, for the performance, you see. It's, I try to, uh, try to keep that to myself and try to reserve that for that. And, you know, now I'm just here with you all, enjoying your company and just relaxing, you know. It's, it should be a, a pleasant travel. Well, we certainly won't make you perform when you usually get paid for it, but the Slithering Serpent, you said, is that as salacious a place as it sounds? I don't know, darling. I've never been. From what I've heard, though, it's actually quite uh, reputable. I'll take your word for it. I've never been to the city, so it's all new to me. I've also never seen a tiefling outside my own family, um, so it's nice to meet you. Personally, I'm traveling to Neverwinter for uh, I, I, a job interview of sorts. Um, I'm hoping to convince a sort of investor uh, or, or something like that to basically give me materials so I can um, publish a like sequence, uh, like a collection of fairy tales. That so you're a writer? I, I suppose so. Hmm. Well, congratulations. That is a, an actual publishing deal is very, very, very hard to get. That's... Congrats. You should be proud. It's, it's less of a publishing deal and more and more just, um, you know, getting materials so I can um, pr produce it. Um, but but thank you. I, I, I do feel good about it. As do you, you have a publishing deal yourself? I, uh, <laughs> I wish. I've, uh, well, I don't write myself, but I do do a few translations on the side to make some money. So it is sometimes very hard to find a market for the kind of books I translate. And by that, I mean, even I sometimes don't sell the single copy. But, oh, but that's not the purpose. <laughs> what sort of works do you uh, do you translate? Oh, uh, you know, a bit of this and a bit of that. Mostly history, diaries, journals, you know, primary sources from, uh, yes, generally that gist. Lilithan looks entirely interested in this. Erythrendir perks up. This does not happen often. Well, uh, yeah, so it's... So what you gotta understand is that most of the works I'm trying to translate are written in Elvish, naturally, which is, you know, important. It's a fine language, but if you want a wider audience, everything's gotta be in common, which is a bit infuriating sometimes. Like, you know, we can learn common, but people don't really bother to learn Elvish, but that's the price you pay for a wider audience. So There are a lot of apostrophes in Elvish, so it gets very tiresome. It does. I I mean, you know, it does make the language very musical, but sometimes somebody can't carry a tune, and watching them talk Elvish is like watching someone chew broken glass. No offense meant to anyone present. None offense taken. What about you, Lillison? Over there, you seem to be a bit of a reader yourself. Well, yes. Um, 
I suppose you could say that I'm going to Neverwinter because it seemed like the logical next place to go. It's not cryptic at all. What helped you reach that decision? Well, it's 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 a long story. Um how is how is the uh that stew progressing? You know, for someone who wanted to get to know the rest of us, you're being awfully cryptic yourself. I mean, it's just been a long time since I spoke with anybody outside of my household, and, well, I'm sure you haven't signed up for uh, two hours of me just talking about myself, so... Yeah, that's reasonable enough. We Especially if I only have two hours and 40 minutes left to live, so... Erthrandir looks vaguely guilty now, like he's unsure how serious she is. I, uh, don't... You might have a bit longer than that. Yes, I know. I... Oh. Really? Oh. Good. I, I think good. that in that case, um, all of you should join me in this imminent death. Um, shall we have some dinner? A splendid idea. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, and uh, Metrion looks over at Amity. Uh, your name again, darling? Oh, um, my name's Amity. Uh, let's go around the circle. So, um, you, you've already said uh, Amity points at Kiva. I don't remember whether you said it. Sorry, I'm bad with names. Kiva, love. Does that start with a C or a K or a Q or? Knowing else, it might well start For with a bloody Z. Strange reasons. I guess I can. Uh, C A O I M H E. Kiva. Oh, ah, oh, lovely. Elves. I'll... Wait, where's the V? Um, it's more of a, I suppose, Sylvan name. Yeah, it's all my family's names are sort of um peculiar. Well, I have no room to judge. It's a nice name. And your name is then? Oh, oh, right. Erthrandir. I, I realize that's a mouthful. My apologies. My uh, parents were not very considerate with it. You'll forgive me if I truncate it, won't you? I suppose. I slap him on the shoulder just out of like like a playful slap on the shoulder. I, uh, yeah, yeah, all right. Feel free, I guess. And what, what's your name? Metrion, right? Metrion, and I do a little bit of a flourish and a bow. The Magnificent. But feel free to just call me Metrion. And at this point, you all watch as what you might have presumed was just a belt is actually a bright pink tail, just kind of like unwinds, unfurls it from across his waist and kind of wiggles from under his coat before returning back around his waist. Oh, no, that's quite cheeky. Well, you know, I don't like to show off too much. And you there, bookworm? My name is Lillison. Lillison. And while I'm still kind of in that bowing gesture, I reach over and kind of present my hand as if to take hers into mine. Lillison is going to just look at your hand and be like, am I meant to pay you? No, I, I mean, only if you want, darling. Uh, yeah, uh, with, I guess, introductions out of the way. Shall we enjoy some of this uh, peasant stew? By all means. Thank you, Amity. Thank you. Oh, uh, you're welcome. I mean, uh, and, and thank you um, for, for the wine. It's really giving this a kick. It's the best I could do, really. Uh... No, no, it works well in stew. Works to denature the alcohol so that it turns into a sort of sweet, robust flavor. Good choice. I figure it pairs well with the, uh, the poison berries, so. 
<laughs> Kiva at this point is going to hand around the wineskin because she's been holding it this entire time and realizing that other people might want to drink. Therithrandir uh, uh, will pass it on. Same with Amity. Oh, and speaking of introductions, um, this little guy's name is Truffle. She holds up the pig. It's the a little pig uh, oinks excitedly and wiggles its little legs. Oh, no, that's Starling. Oh, that's a precious name. Truffle, however did you meet him? Oh, um, I, I met him just on, on, on a farm. Uh, <laughs> uh, not my own farm, but I, uh, persuaded, well, I, I, he was just so nice. Well, did he you just... steal that pig, or did he no, I, willingly? I didn't steal the pig. Okay, love, um, sorry, no, I, mean... I don't mean to, I don't mean to, uh, imply anything. You just asked him if he'd stolen it. That's not implying. That is writing curious. down in bold. All of us, all of us have, you know, um, sketchy pasts, as it were. Speak for yourself, man. Indeed. I'm a reputable entertainer, my good woman. I, I don't know what you mean to imply, but I'd appreciate you stopped implying it. This no. stew is delicious. Well, uh, say there, Amity, since, uh... You've provided us with meal. Why not also provide us with uh, entertainment? Yes, I mean you are a storyteller. Why not uh, perhaps tell us a story? Uh, all right, but okay. If I'm going to do it, and um, if you're not going to show us any of your magic, uh, then how about we all do it? I mean, we all come from such different places. I'm sure we all have something to tell. Maybe like some kind of chilling campfire story. Oh, that would be uh, quite an intrigue, wouldn't it? I, I think I can come up with something. Uh, should I go first so that you all have time to come up with something? That if would you, be appreciated. If you don't mind. I mean, you've done so much for us already. Amity is a little bit confused at the uh, extremely lauding praise from Lilithson, but takes it in stride and says, All right, this is the scary, scary story of the frogs and the ox. Once upon a time, there was a young frog getting a drink in a pool. And an ox came along to the pool to drink as well. And as he splashed into the water, he crushed the young frog into the mud. And the frog died instantly. She sort of makes spooky hand motions. Now, the frog's father missed his son. And um, he asked his other children what had become of him. One of them piped up, a great big monster. He, he stepped on my little brother with one of his huge feet. And the father said, how big was he? Uh, was he as big as this? And he puffed himself up, inhaling and making his stomach round like a big medicine ball. Oh, much bigger, his, his children cried, and he puffed himself up even more. He couldn't have been bigger than this, said the father. But the little frogs again declared that the monster was much, much bigger, and the frog puffed himself out again and again, breathing in more and more air, his skin stretching tight, until all at once... He burst into little pieces. And the moral of the story is, do not attempt the impossible. Well, don't fill yourself up with hot air. <laughs> That's a good one. Erythrindir claps. I, oh, that is a classic little folktale. Very good choice. Little Sun is just like staring in horror. You're right there, love. That is quite the moral to attach to a tale in which, uh, Two people die for no reason. Oh, yeah. Um, m maybe I shouldn't have gotten into it after all the, the mess about the berries. I, uh, no, it's okay. People die for no reason every day. I think it's a great story, love. Emily sort of shivers. 
Ethrendir, uh, hopefully I pronounced that correctly. Um, you seem to know uh, a lot of folk tales and history and stuff. Do you have something good? It's a Erythrandir, and I think I do. Although it's a not as child friendly. It's a more of a historical record, actually, or something like it. That you know. sounds lovely. Okay. Well, I'll give it my best shot then. He closes his eyes and begins to talk. Many years ago, about seven hundred, when the world was younger and simple and clean. There was a man who lived alone in the middle of the woods. His name was Taylor, and he prized his independence like a fine wine, and rarely, if ever, had visitors. One day, Taylor had two dear friends visit him from the city. In those days, there was a war, and they appreciated the comfort of the countryside. Taylor grumbled at the company, but tolerated it. For his friends had brought wine and cards, and he always enjoyed a game of two, along with their company. And so Taylor dealt the cards and poured the wine, and for a few hours, the woods were a merry place. In the haze of wine and good company, Taylor's memory became foggy, and he only got bits and pieces of what was happening. Suddenly, there was the sound of raised voices, and then the crash of a table, and then drip of liquid against the floorboards of his cabin. When he came to, he found that the card table was knocked over, the lantern they had been using to play shattered, and his friends, the few folks he was willing to tolerate, his friends were slumped on the ground, their blood pooling and mixing with the lamp oil. Each of them had been stabbed, and Taylor found himself holding a bloody dagger in his hands. He pauses for a moment. They say his scream was so loud that people heard it in the next county, and that a flock of ravens who had been roosting nearby took to the air and began repeating the scream, calling as they left. And so he ran, dagger still clutched in a death grip, bumbling through the woods, back to the city, back to the place he abhorred, muttering all the while, I'll... I'll turn myself in. I, uh, I'll give them. The, I'll go to the magistrate, and they'll know what happened and who did it. And I can, and we'll we'll see justice done. It'll work. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And so he repeated this mantra as he ran. But when he got to the city, all he found was rubble and the smell of smoke. The war had finally reached it and everything was gone. And so Taylor sat, clutching the dagger in his hands, looking at where the magistrate's office had used to be, and wept for many long hours in the dark of the night, and then walked into the woods, and was never seen again. He brushes the hair out of his eyes and sits back. It's not a happy story, but it's an important one, I think. Is it a true one? To an extent. From everything I've gathered from historical records, there really was a man named Taylor who came wandering into an adjacent city babbling about something that he'd done, but no one quite knows. The line between folktale and story and truth is thin, especially with my people. That was so eloquently told. It's like you memorized it. 
I uh, I did. It's uh, it was a uh, it's something I'm good at. But thank you. That's a really kind. I appreciate it. And uh, well then, how about you, Lillison? You uh, you seem like you'd have some good stories to tell. Lillison smiles kind of awkwardly, and she says, "Well, I don't know any." scary stories like what you just told, but here's one that I suppose tends to horrify people. Um, once upon a time, there was a girl who wished to become beautiful, but she did not know how. So she thought, I will go to the most beautiful beings in the world, the birds, and I will beg them to teach me. First, she visited Dove, and she asked him how she could become beautiful. Dove said, you must have plumage of pure white, and only then can you be as beautiful as me. The girl said, but I have skin, not feathers, and it will not turn white. Then you will never be beautiful, said Dove. Next, she visited Heron, and she asked him, how can I become beautiful? Heron said, you must have long, slim legs. Only then can you be as beautiful as me. The girl said, but if my legs were as slim as yours, they wouldn't bear my weight. If you'd rather be able to walk than pursue perfection, then you will never be beautiful, said Heron. Next, she visited Nightingale and asked him how she could become beautiful. Sing for me, said Nightingale. But after the girl had sung a few notes, the bird shook his head. You must have a sweet voice to be beautiful, he said. And your case is hopeless. Go home, do not bother anyone else. It was a bitter walk home, but awaiting her there, right before her door, was Peacock, the most magnificent of all birds. I heard about your quest, said Peacock, and I came to tell you that you are already perfect, just as you are. The girl could not believe her ears. How can you say that about me when you are as beautiful as the sun? My girl, said Peacock, you, exactly as you are, could never rival my splendor. That is why you are perfect in your natural place and should never try to change, because this way you will never be a threat to me. Then the girl realized that Peacock had given her the answer she wanted. She would be the most beautiful creature in the world if she could just get rid of anyone who rivaled her beauty. So she took her bow and arrows, and she shot Dove, and she shot Heron, and she shot Nightingale, and last of all, she shot Peacock and plucked out his feathers to make into a fine cloak. And then everyone said she was the most beautiful maiden who has ever lived. Oh, I love it. <laughs> it's it's almost hilarious. I hilarious like is one word for it. That was a lovely story. I, I do what you see what you mean about it being a bit morbid. Beautiful, though. You... you did a wonderful job. You're a good storyteller, but uh, oh, thank you. Gracious. Yeah, that one was uh, a bit dark, wasn't it? I thought that was the point. Oh no! Yes, uh, by all means, terrify us. That's what we're here for. <laughs> I'm sure you, though, Kiva, have a uh, something up your sleeve. Yes, something dark and macabre. Well, I'm not sure how dark and macabre it is. It's a favorite story from when I was a child, so I guess I can share that. Kiva sits up a little bit and clears her throat. There was once a kind young prince whose favourite pastime was sitting underneath a willow tree in the woods. 
One day, he heard a soft voice coming from the water next to the tree. It was a mermaid, asking the young man if he was king of the land. He proclaimed that one day he would be, and upon looking at the lady in the water, knew he wanted her to be his queen. They spoke of life, of each other's homes, and of love. But deep down, they both knew that their meeting was tragic. She needed water, and he needed air. He promised her he would think of a solution, a way that they could both be together, and set to work. Days later, with joy in her heart, he returned to the water by the willow and declared that a moat was the answer, a way to unite their lands. But the prince had an uncle who wanted the throne, and there drowned the prince and returned to the castle alone. Nat fell, and the mermaid emerged. My sweet prince, she cried happily. Is it true? You've decided to give all this up and live here with me? Well, she kissed his waterlogged face and pulled his body against hers, dragging him underneath the surface. And that kind young prince, whose favorite pastime used to be sitting underneath a willow in the woods, now lived with his bride on the floor of the sea, staring blankly at the world above. That's haunting. In retrospect, it probably isn't the best story to read to a child, but I liked it a lot. My mother always said that the best stories for children are the scary ones. That way, they'll know that the world is scary already, and they know that they can try and fight it. So in that respect, I think it does a good job. I think Eva it's rather almost sweet. rubs her hand on the scars on her face as Ari's saying that, and nods a little bit. She's looking very... um comforted by those words, actually. Well, I, I guess that's it's my turn now, isn't it? And Metreon drags the log that he'd found with the pelt on it and sits up by the fire and takes up the water skin and takes a sip. I actually once had a friend who belonged to a well-to-do family. He and his younger brother were the wandering types and often left the comforts of their family estate to seek out adventure. Exploring was his passion, was being the operative word, and for good reason. On his last expedition, he and his brother plotted a trip to the legendary Silverwood. They had been warned that its thick greenery and native trolls would prove a formidable challenge, but they were eager to know what, if anything, they could uncover. So, when they went, though, they found that the woods were curiously silent the day that they entered, and it was two more days before they found anything of interest. Eventually, they came upon the hollowed-out remains of an old elven home. It appeared as though the forest had taken most of the original structure over, but as they delved deeper, they uncovered a well of hewn white stone. They tossed a shard down into the darkness and listened keenly as the coins splashed into the water. There was an empty wooden bucket and working pulley, and they tossed the bucket down after the coin. Moments later, they pulled the bucket up, and it was filled with crystal clear water. Adventurers that they were, both of them drank from it. The water tasted sublime and any exhaustion they felt from the day's travel seemed to melt away. Both of them eagerly filled their water skins and with renewed energy set up camp for the evening. While exploring the ruins further, they happened upon an old journal. The author of it was a young elven girl raised with a younger sibling and two caring parents. Uh, One passage in particular caused their brows to raise, though. In it, she spoke of a well that her family secured and the water that flowed beneath the house and its restorative properties. 
As she put it, the water we've discovered can mend even the most broken things. Excitedly, they rushed back to the well, eager to test her testimony out. Brother took up a bundle of twigs and snapped them over his knee and tossed them into the bucket. They lowered the broken branches down into the darkness and submerged them. A few moments later, they pulled the bucket up from the well, and inside, sitting in the water, were several solid branches. They were stunned, but wondered if the water's benefits could affect them outside of this hidden reservoir. His brother unsheathed his longbow and snapped it in half, just as he had the branches before. He held the pieces together and urged my friend to pour the contents of their water skin over the seam. And sure enough, the water healed the bow's broken limbs. They forced themselves to rest, though the excitement of their discovery made it incredibly difficult. In the morning, they awoke to find three hares successfully felled by their traps. As my friend continued over the diary, his brother decided to test the limits of the water with one of the hares. He placed the carcass in the bucket and lowered it down and waited to hear something. While he tested this theory out, my friend finished reading the diary. In the diary, the author mourned the death of her brother, and the journal seemed to abruptly end, its final entry being something about claiming to see her brother standing outside her bedroom window in his burial vestments. As my friend finished reading, his brother rushed back to him with a wriggling hair in hand. I did it, he exclaimed. They freed the third hare and dined on the other two before they set off to explore more of the surrounding woods. Not long after leaving camp, they were both surprised by a troll. Though both men managed to slay it, the brother was left a gory mess. Thankfully, though, they had refilled their water skins. My friend poured two skins worth of that healing water down his dying brother's throat, and in minutes, his brother's body began to mend itself. Something followed that euphoria, though. Just as quickly as he stood fully healed, he crumpled over back down to the ground. He clutched his gut before screaming at my friend, oh, There's something inside! My friend was petrified and watched as his brother took the dagger from his boot and began to tear into his own belly. Both men gasped as a small shriek echoed through the woods. From out of his open gut squirmed a small, bloodied hare. I didn't believe my friend at first. That was until he showed it to me. You see, he knew no one would believe him. He knew I doubted, and so he revealed he had kept something from his expedition. He promised it to me under the condition that I would share his tale far and wide to caution others, just in case others such as ourselves might be skeptical. He gave me that damned hair, and at that point, Metrigon takes the pelt that he's been sitting under and throws it over at Amity and just starts to giggle like a schoolboy. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is... Oh, you are... That is an excellent way to do that. That is... I half expected you to pull a real hair out of a hat or something. Well, I'm not wearing a hat now, are I? But, you know, once I get one, uh, both a hat and a hair, you know, I might finagle something. <laughs> Amity is, is laughing now and throws the pelt back with as much force as she can. You are joking, right? That's not actually the pelt. That all that was just a story, right? I don't know. You want to check for yourself? And no. uh, he'll throw the pelt at Lilson. Lilson does. Oh, wait. Like, for real? For real, for what? I mean, I just assumed that it was a story. I, I didn't check anything. I mean, yeah, that, that, that's a dead hair pelt. I mean, you know, make of that what you will. Lilson will pick up the pelt and mm. toss it back. <sighs> You're all a bit morbid, aren't you? You're one to talk. 
I suppose all our stories were a, a, a bit morbid. Um, maybe I shouldn't have asked for something so scary. Uh, maybe next time Metreon, uh, maybe tomorrow night Metreon can show us um, his magic and we, c we can all do a little bit of magic. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, well, I, not everyone can do magic, Amity. Yeah, I can only do one thing and it's not really that impressive. What is that one thing? Let us be the judge of how impressive it is. Well, I mean, if I showed you, it, it might hurt you, and I wouldn't want to do that to my new friends here. But, oh, oh, all right. Well, that's fair enough. In that case, maybe we should be moving towards bed. It's a late night, and we've got to be up traveling tomorrow. Although, I might have trouble sleeping after everything. I could hit you over the head if that would help. I'd prefer you didn't. I like my head. I like my hair. I don't... Please. It's very nice hair, but I, I think Ari's right. We should... Oh, do you mind if I'm calling you Ari, by the way? I feel like I've asked you that. It is one of the better ways my name has been shortened, so go for it, I suppose. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling quite tired, so I think I'm going to turn in. But uh, this was nice, actually, in a weird sort of scary way. It was. And I hope y'all sleep well. Do we need anybody to keep watch? I hear that people are supposed to keep watch in the woods. Well, we, we've got a party of three elves. We, I presume at least one of us is going to be trancing. Or am I incorrect? I don't mind keeping watch. I can do trance and then keep watch or keep watch and then trance. It's, it's up to you guys, I suppose. That's a good idea. Go ahead, then. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good night, all. Oh, we're... Turning in already? Well, well, I'm not forcing you, but we are going to be up at 7 a.m. tomorrow, and it is rather hard to walk well when you're tired. You run into I have things. a cart. Metron, I'll be up for a while. I'm going to be keeping watch for a little bit at least, so you won't be alone. Uh, I'd rather just pass out, preferably, you know. Just, it's been a while since I've been in the wilderness, and uh, I figure I'll take you in the sights. Well, then... Sleep well, everyone. Good night. And at that point, as everyone's kind of tucking into their tents, Metreon will saddle up beside Kiva, and uh, he'll hand her over the last of the wine in the wineskin. Yeah, for your trouble. I wish I had something to give you in return, but thanks. And she will finish the wine. Hope it's not too forward of me, but uh, you mind if I ask? Ask anything. There's a, a rather unique scarification on your face. Uh, I'm sure that has a story. Kiva looks around, and once she sort of gets the feeling that everyone's tuckered in, I worked uh, at the Thieves' Guild in Neverwinter for a while with my dad, sort of a twisted family business. Um... This is one last job, sort of the, you know, the big one. We wouldn't have to do it anymore. We were fences smugglers, so we were charged with smuggling something into the Shadowfell. I'd never been there before. And I would prefer it if I never went back again. I, um, I messed up. I got panicky. I sort of blacked out. I ruined the job. 
ruined the transfer and the person that we were supposed to be delivering to gave me this as a reminder. Um, it's sort of a, a visible mark, you see, if I ever get um, scared or angry again. It's a nice warning to people that I'm about to fuck things up for them and not in a good way. Metransky's kind of looking it over. It, it, is that something in there, in that scar? When we got back to Neverwinter, uh, my father spent every last penny he could getting me to a cleric. They were able to heal some of the visible damage, hence the gold. But the effect still happens when I am... Um, when I get scared. So... I'm sure if we're traveling long enough in this horrifying woods telling scary stories, you might see something, but it's preferable that you don't. Well, I don't anticipate a travel to Neverwinter to take that long, but uh, I do appreciate the, uh, the honesty, the candor. Well, you know, you seem like a person I can trust, strangely enough. I do have that kind of face. And uh, he smiles. And when he does, you see he does have like two larger canines, one of which is actually covered in gold. So forgive my question, but don't tieflings have horns? Typically, yes. You and see, you don't? Well, I do sometimes. Uh, I, I try to, well... And he takes a moment uh, and kind of like rubs the headband that's wrapped around his forehead. You see, uh, in my profession, uh, I have found, especially for more, for more expensive clientele, that they typically prefer more humanoid, uh, something more palatable. So in an effort to market myself in a more effective way, I will typically keep my horns trimmed and uh, my face and complexion muted to uh, something more humanoid, uh, if you will. I don't think you're going to be showing me that, or are you? Uh, it's such a hassle taking it off and putting on the makeup and taking off the makeup. But uh, you know, come see me at the, uh, at the Slithering Serpent over in Neverwinter and... Uh, You'll see for yourself. Sounds like a date. Not that kind of date, but, you know. I'm not opposed. I mean, if you're buying. <laughs> <laughs> I spent um, all my gold on that cart. It's a nice cart. I spent all my money on... Uh, well, I didn't really have money to begin with. So what brought you... What's bringing you back to Neverwinter? I mean, it seems like such a... So much attached to it. I personally would probably avoid going back if possible. I lost everyone. And uh, a friend of mine from the Thieves Guild uh, was there for me after she asked if I wanted to come stay with her and try to start over. I think we're going to try to open up some sort of shop. She has all these crazy ideas for selling potions and tinctures and whatnot. But... I I figured I could at least help her set things up and see how it goes. Well, good luck to you. And if you make enough coin, stop by the Slithering Serpent and uh, I'll dedicate an act for you. How about that? Sounds quite lovely. Thank you. 
Well, I'll uh, I'll let you get to trancing, and uh, I'll see you at dawn. Have a good night. And Kiva's going to walk off to her little tent area. Metreon pauses for a bit, watching her. Instinctively takes a sip out of the water skin, but realizes it's empty. Looks disappointedly at it, and uh, he'll tuck in for a bit. Very good. And with that, each of you turns in for the night, some of you sleeping, others trancing as they sift through old memories and new. The woods are quiet this night, and the air grows chill. As the hours pass, your fire sputters as a low mist gathers around the edges of your camp, growing closer as the night wears on. The night continues on, each hour passing as the moon descends in the sky and the trees rustle above you, and by morning, as you poke your heads from your tents and awaken once more, the fog hangs thick in the air, turning the trees around you into gray ghosts. Then you notice something odd. First, Metreon, you see that your wagon doesn't appear to be visible. And secondly, you notice that these aren't the same trees that surrounded you the night before. And this is the morning of? It is indeed. Uh, yes, yeah, so as, uh, actually, uh, given how much, do you mind if I do a constitution roll to see if I uh, drank too much and uh, will be waking up later than the others? Uh, I'll allow it. <laughs> All right, so as Metreon lingers in his tent for a bit longer, the other four of you emerge to find this strange and unfamiliar sight. I didn't think the stew was that bad last night. Am I seeing what everyone else is seeing? Erthrandir doesn't answer. Instead, he walks over to one of the trees and kind of just looks up and down. Does he recognize what type these are make a nature check for me can do eight not immediately no it seems to be some mix of deciduous trees largely dead um beyond that you can't make quite a distinction there are a few with some lingering leaves upon them but they're mostly grays and muddy browns not a very familiar uh structure to most of the environment what did did all of us um did all of us eat those berries or did, did any of us um hold back last night i think all of us did well it appears that either they're hallucinogenic or we're dead uh, metrion at this point starts to stumble out of his his tent uh fucking hell uh good morning all um uh, I don't what? want to make you panic, but this may be the afterlife. I don't oh, think we're dead. Yeah, we probably wouldn't notice. What's uh, what's all this then? Uh, and Metreon will stand up with the others and look around and see that the trees are different. And uh, and he'll start to go towards the area where he knew he parked his cart, um, realizing that it's like now not at, like not visible he'll start to move towards it what, what, what what's our cart what, wait don't go off alone right i'm not now. going off alone i'm just i'm just yes, going over there are. i just and he'll start to he'll continue to walk towards where the cart used to be erthrandir puts his face in his hands and then follows him 
the two of you make your way through the bramble-like underbrush, passing through a number of gnarled trees until you come to the approximate location of where you believe the cart once sat, but strangely enough, it doesn't seem to be visible. Instead, you poke your heads out, and all you see is a lonely dirt road that cuts through the woods, vanishing into the mist. Kevin, did you see who took my cart? Did you hear anything? I... No, I didn't hear a thing. I slept through the night, actually. It was strange. Well, you slept. You're an elf. You don't sleep. Where, Where is... Some... Am I not the only one frustrated right now? I'm less frustrated and more just befuddled. So... Is there anything else missing? Everybody, uh, check your packs. Uh, as soon as Lillison says that, uh, says that uh, Metrion, his eyes go wide and he rushes back into his tent. Um, and he's actually looking for his uh, coin purse. Uh, you do find uh, your coin purse. All of your belongings appear to be uh, as you place them or as near as you can remember. Other than the wagon's appearance, things seem to be much as you left them. Is yeah. Truffle still here? Truffle is, in fact. You check your tent in a quick panic, and then you hear a soft snorting sound. And from beneath the uh, pile of blankets you'd kept there, you see here a soft oinking, and then see something wriggling, and then Truffle pops his little head out from underneath the blankets. All right, thank, thank God you're still here, at least. I'm also less frustrated, but more um, worried. Yeah, I'm all of these things. Yeah, that seems to be a running theme. I... Uh, Ari, you have familiar familiarity with the woods? Uh, he looks a little guilty. I do, but I don't recognize any of these trees. From what I can gather, uh, this is definitely not where we went to sleep. I mean, I suppose that's kind of a duh, but also, we're not anywhere close. These are, every, almost everything in this forest is dead. What are you saying? Uh, bandits took my cart and uh, somehow managed to take up all of our bodies and place them in some completely different area of the woods. Yeah. I'm not positing explanations. I am just saying what I see. And at the moment, what I see is that we are not where we went to bed. Surely we can't be that far away, can we? Look, um, maybe one of you can come with me and we can scout ahead on the road a little bit. Maybe this is just some weird... Look, I'm going to go like 10, 20 feet ahead and try to look for something. If anyone wants to come with me, that's fine. If not, I'll be okay. And she pulls out her scimitar and starts to walk about just 10 feet or so down the road looking to see what she can see. We're all friends here now. I mean, we... We're together. We have to protect each other from, you know, bandits. Um, if we found any bandits, we could ask them where we are, at least. That's a good idea. Um, Amity raises her voice and yells, Oi! Are there, are there any bandits out there? Are there any bandits out here? There Can I maybe no make, like, a... reply, but yes? Can I look Do around and see if there's any 
Yes, I'd like to make a perception check to see if I can see any sort of signs of life movement in the area recently. Sure, make a perception check for me. That is a nine. Nine, looking around, you don't see any indication of any other person's presence. The woods seem lonely and quiet, almost silent as a grave. Only moving thing you see are the mists that crawl upon the ground like a large bloated spider. And just for curiosity's sake, does any of this seem familiar to her at all? I guess she's getting a, a bit of a bad vibe from the area. So perhaps can I maybe make a history check or something to see if I might recognize where we are in any sense? She feels like she has sort of been in a similar place before. I'm afraid not. It doesn't seem at all familiar to you. Fuck. All right. Uh, Kiva walks back to the group. There's no signs of anyone here, except for us. Uh, Metreon looks over at uh, Erethrinder. Uh, you know how to tell. Uh, you know how to tell time with uh, the sun and all that. What time is it? Erethrinder looks up, not very hopefully. Can't... Would this be a check? Would this be a survival check? Uh, this would not. As looking up, you look past the boughs of the dead trees, past their leafless branches, and see only a gray, overcast sky choked with drifting fog. There is no indication of the sun. Uh, well, I would be, but the sky's gone a little cloudy. Sorry. I, uh... <sighs> Once this mist clears, we'll be able to see more, but for the moment, it could be any time of day right now. Although my body clock says it's still about just the time we should wake up, 7 or 8 a.m. Or, actually, hold on, I, I can ask. And Erethrindir reaches around his neck, and from his robes, he pulls out a little stone. It's got a pole in the middle that a, that a piece of twine is threaded through, and there's gold edged around the black. And he holds it, closes his eyes, and concentrates. And then he says, Hey, darling, I realize this isn't our normal time to talk, but quick question. Would you mind telling me what time it is where you are? Trying to settle something. Thanks, Ari. And then he lets the stone fall. She'll probably get a response in two or three minutes. She's pretty punctual. Who is she? Uh... A dear friend of mine, one of the Maya ranger companions. Her name's Meryl. We uh, talk every day, so I imagine she'll be up. So, uh, well, what do we do now? Do we just sit? Uh, do we just sit on our asses? Do we go out and find my cart and figure out what what's going on? <laughs> I think the first thing to do would probably to, well, either way, we're going to have to keep moving at some point, so we might as well pack everything up. If we can find any signs of life, I can I can try to just ask them if, if they know anything about where um, there might be like a nearby town or something. You I can, guess that is an awful casual way to say you can talk to animals. No, oh, um, I mean, it's it's just a bit of magic. I... still... I'm, I, I mean, you can talk to that rock. I... oh, oh, no, not... I don't talk to rocks. There's a 
sending stone. It's a pe little piece of magic. Let's you talk to someone from far away, but only as long as it's 25 words or less. That's much I mean, cooler, in my opinion. Anybody can talk to animals and rocks. It's a question of whether they talk back. <laughs> <laughs> um, two things. One, uh, can me or maybe anyone else help uh, like locate any animals nearby? Two, do I know whether this matches the description of any like afterlife? Maybe, can I, like, religion uh, check I this? I would say, yes. Looking around uh, first, uh, if you'd like to have someone else helmet while you think of that, um, uh, you can grant them advantage if you'd like. Uh, so, I don't mind like looking for animals if, if All right. you need uh, someone to look. One of you can make a, uh, I would say, a uh, perception check uh, with advantage uh, while Amity makes a religion check. 21 on religion. And a 10 for perception. Uh, Kiva, you detect no signs of any life or animal life at all. Uh, Amity, you rack your brains for any sign of any afterlife mythology that might match this current setting. There's nothing that comes to mind, though. You draw a blank. All right, so the good news is that um, I don't think we're dead, or at least it doesn't match... Um, what what I've heard. That's excellent news. The bad news is is that there's no sign of life anywhere, animal or otherwise, other than us and dear Truffle here. Oh. We're we not going to eat him. I wasn't I'm not saying, going I'm to not ask saying that. We're not going to eat your friend. Until we run out of rations. But until then, uh, the sooner we find a civilization, uh, the less that becomes uh, an opportunity. So there is no time like the present. Perhaps we should just get a move on. And hopefully we'll run into either my cart or the people who stole it. And after that, my dagger will run into one of their throats. Shall we? I suppose there's nothing else, nothing else to do. But let's stay close. Alyssa is awkwardly rolling up her bedroll and, uh, you know, glancing at the whatever is holding up her tent with uh, a bit of uh, trepidation in her eyes. Ari walks over and begins nimbly unspooling it. Here, I've, I, those things are murder on the first time camper. I've got you. Thank you so much. That's uh, no problem. I, um, this is a, I will say, it's nice to have somebody who kind of, well, not a familiar face exactly, but you seem like you know what you're doing, and you're pretty even-keeled, so I'm grateful you've, you're with us. I, you know, the others are nice, but also I wouldn't trust a lot of them immediately. From how they all talked about being criminals and thieves, it's a, it's a little worrying. I am both flattered that you think that I know what I'm doing, and also perhaps you should keep your voice down. I point taken. Sorry, not used to whispering. Yeah, yeah. Can I roll a perception check, or is there a, a, a check I can do to see if I heard any of that? Any uh, of that? What's your passive perception? My passive is 11. You did not hear it. You you noticed them murmuring to, the, to each other. 
uh, their voices a bit lowered, and Erthrandir lowering his to a bit close to a whisper uh, as you turned your head. Um, but you didn't catch a, a, an exact, you know, set of words from them. Okay, yeah, uh, I, I'll, I'll give them a bit of a, a glance, uh, but I, I'll, I'm a bit more focused on trying to haul both a tent and this giant uh, sack that I have with me, uh, and uh, it's very cumbersome. Well, at any rate, let's uh, get let's get going. And... Yes. Um. Thank you for your help. Um. Do you need help with yours? Oh. Oh no. I. Uh, I'm a old hand. This is not hard to do. And he pats his backpack kind of fondly. I had done this far too many times. Actually, it's <laughs> it's fine. Well, if you have any tips to provide later, um. Hopefully, we won't need them for very long, but I would appreciate them. I'm glad to. Yeah, yeah. Once we get out of this uh, tree-blasted hellscape, then I will give you all the camping tips you have ever wanted. <laughs> just don't... Let's just not camp here. Yes. It's... All right. And Erythrindir stows the rest of his stuff and rejoins the rest of the group. After uh, a few minutes, um, tucking all her stuff away as best she can, uh, Lilisin will shoulder her pack again, um, settling it on her shoulders with a little wince, and rejoin the group as well. Kiva's going to just shove her meager belongings back into her backpack, uh, throw the cloak over her shoulders, and she's going to keep her scimitar unsheathed as they walk. Um, she's sort of gripping it rhythmically again, a lot of um, pointed breathing and stuff as well. Metreon is dragging his stuff behind at the end of the party, um, trying to keep up. Mm -hmm. Amity's following as well, um, and sort of goes up to uh, Deer, or, or Erthrandir. Um, so you, you, you're quite knowledgeable, and you know a lot of folk tales and stuff. Does this, um, I have this like itching feeling at the back of my neck, does this remind you of like any specific story? Well, uh, not really. There's quite a few tales of people being lost in impassable woods and then eventually being chased down by monsters and tortured and eaten, and generally the woods are described like this, but uh, not like specifics, if that's what you're asking. This is just definitely that kind of place, though. Yeah. Where you'd expect to be a mur- But we'll be fine. I'm sure. As as long as we all stick together. Eh, yeah, yeah, that'll that'll make things better, definitely. When they start, yes. Can you all slow down? I'm I'm, I'm sorry. You understand that I'm carrying uh, uh, at least eighty pounds worth of equipment here. Do you I... need any help? Kiva turns around. Do you, yeah. Do you want me to carry something for you? No, 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 darling, darling. Just just stay ahead. You know, keep your eyes uh, out. Just. Remember that I don't have my cart anymore. If you're moving slowly, then it benefits all of us to take some of this on. That way we move faster and you suffer less. Perfect idea. And uh, uh, Metran will take up the, the large uh, leather satch and uh, toss it over to Erthrandir. He visibly buckles under the weight. <laughs> Ow! I, I mean, and reluctantly slings it over his shoulder. Let's... Go. I'll, I'll, I'll take some of that. I'm, I'm, 
Uh, maybe a little stronger. I thank you, thank you very much, Matrion. Uh, Matrion, the story you told last night was. Does does this look or uh, seem anything like what your friend was telling you, darling? That was a just a, it was a story. It was a yarn. It wasn't that wasn't real. And if if it was, it, this is not silvery wood. This is very different from silvery wood. Call me superstitious, but you were the last one to tell a story last night. Are you putting this on me? Are you taking responsibility for it? No! Why would I steal my own cart and then put a, displace us into this weird, strange, mist-laden area? None of that makes sense. We, we can't start suspecting each other, okay? We're, we're in this together. We're, we're friends. It, let's just walk at a brisk pace. Not start running. Amity, I'm, I met y'all about a day ago. Friends is a bit strong. Let's all just ease up, maybe quiet down, and just walk. All right? He was going to walk up next to Amity, though, and and sort of nudge her shoulder a little bit. You're fine, love. People are just a little on edge. I think you're a friend. Amity is uh, genuinely happy. Um, all right, thanks. Um, sure, it'll all end up fine. And uh, I guess we just briskly walk down the trail together. As you make your way down, the trees around you creaking, the mist creeping its way across the ground, you see black pools of water that stand like, almost like dark mirrors in and around the muddy roadway. You can see giant trees looming on both sides of the road, their branches almost looking like they claw at the mist around you. You continue on for a number of minutes, 15, 20, a half hour goes by, and Soon enough, you pass beneath a tall, ancient tree, its bark splintered and worn with years of evident rot. Its neighbors creak and sway in the weight of a chill breeze, their branches crawling and snatching at the air around you through the weight of the breeze that pulls through them. And as the wind whispers through the trees, the underbrush rustles, and you abruptly realize that the back of your neck has been prickling with the uncomfortable sensation of being watched. Yeah, this whole time Metreon's been uh, like looking very shiftily uh, at the path uh, behind them, as well as like to the woods uh, that, that are uh, at their sides. Um, he's very on edge right now uh, and suspicious, kind of keeping an eye out for as much as he can for everything. Actually, would you mind if I rolled a perception check or to see if I like see the source of uh, whatever might be watching us? Sure, make a perception check for me. 19. 19. Glancing around, you hear the sound of soft rustling coming from the underbrush of brambles, uh, somewhat ahead of the trail and a bit to the right of you. Oi. Uh, uh, everyone, just stop. What is it? And I, uh, I don't say it, but I just point my finger in the direction I hear the, the, the rustling coming from. Is it an animal? I could maybe ask it where we are. Careful, love. Let's just give it a moment. Can we uh, roll perception to see if we can also see what he's looking at? Uh, once uh, Metreon points it out, I'd say it's easily enough to see like the direction in general. Like, the bush does not appear to continue rustling, um, but 
from what you can tell, um, I mean, do not really investigate it. If you look, take a closer look, you're more than welcome to. Catherine Deer is going to look around at the others and then gingerly walk over to the direction that the rustling came from, unslinging his bow as he does. And then he peeks into the bush. All right, you peer underneath the bush, seeing, glancing around for anything that might appear there, and for a moment you're disappointed. There doesn't appear to be anything there. Then out of the corner of your eye, you see a cloud of mist curling lazily across the ground. Your gaze pulls toward it, and for a moment, the boiling mist seems to form something that almost seems like a leering face staring you right in the eye, and then it vanishes. Erythrindir yelps and jolt and stumbles backward, falling into a puddle. I, 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 I'm, uh, what is it? Are you I, all right? Yep, yep, fine, fine. Uh, just got a little spooked. Uh, there's nothing there. No animals or anything. It probably ran well, off. Something, something scared you. What was that? I... It was just a trick of the light. I was looking at the mist, and it looked like a formed into a shape for a moment, and then it was gone. You know, mirages and stuff. Or maybe it did form into a shape. I don't give me that. I We're nervous enough already. We're, we have Look, enough I'm threats. Just, I'm just saying, I mean, I've never seen mist like this. I've never seen a forest this desolate. Maybe we're in a little bit over our heads, and I think it's safe enough to acknowledge that. Just don't try to look at the mist then too much. What do you mean, in over our heads? Well, this is clearly out of my wheelhouse. I I mean, granted I'm not an expert in these sort of things, but this seems a little bit intense. And horrifying. <laughs> I, well, I mean, if you're just gonna say it, then yeah. But still, I don't want us convinced that we're... I don't want us, like, trying to deal with problems that don't exist. It'll be fine. That's fair we... enough. Just don't go off alone again. Make I... sure you always have something with you. Fair enough. Thank you. Let's go. Very good. You can continue along the road, walking and walking. It passes through the thick trees, their dead boughs waving lazily above your heads. An hour passes with no sign of civilization in sight. Then two. A third hour passes, and naught but the sound of your muddy bootsteps squelching in the mud echoes through your ears and through the empty forest that surrounds you. A fourth hour passes, time seeming to slow, dripping like molasses with each passing second. As the, fists, as the mist stirs constantly in small, lazy clouds around your feet. Um, I, I don't want to, um, I, I mean, okay, this isn't spooky, but are, are we sure that this isn't like a circular trail and we're just seeing the same trees over and over? Maybe we can mark something? I was wondering whether perhaps we should have taken this trail the other direction. A road's got to go somewhere, whichever direction you go on it. It doesn't really matter at this point. Uh, Metreon hands uh, Lilliston uh, his crumbled up tent uh, and takes out a dagger um, 
it's pretty run of the mill dagger. Uh, doesn't look to be anything fancy, uh, but he'll go actually go over to one of the trees uh, and just uh, exhaust. He's just exa- exhausted right now, but he's just going to carve in uh, um, an X into the bark of uh, one of the trees off the pa- off the path. Excellent right, idea. You peel back the bark, and the cold, almost bone white flesh of the tree pokes forth as you peel away the outer skin. The X shines quite visibly in the dark bloom of the wood. There. If uh, we pass it again, then at that point we know that we've either died or we're trapped in hell. Maybe both. Uh, you you mean we're going... It, it's a circular trail. <laughs> One of the two. I am quite sure the hells do not look like this, but I would have expected to be beset by demons or devils or something. At this point, I would welcome it. It, uh, it just keep going. I, I, we need to find something or somebody. This, these woods cannot keep going as far as they're going. And if I don't find something soon, I'm not going to be happy. So we keep walking then, and Kiva's just going to continue down the road. Uh, 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 Metran is going to follow, uh, leaving his stuff with the others. Lillison is going to kind of shift um, Metrion's tent material in her arms so it's not like covering half her face. Um, just shake her head and continue as well. Erythrindir does the same, but not before taking out the Sending Stone again and looking quizzically at it. And then he shrugs, stows it back in his pocket, stows it back and keeps walking. You continue on the old dirt road passing between the trees minutes continuing to pass as you keep your eyes peeled and your steps brisk another half hour passes and as you reach the fifth hour mark you see the trees begin to part as the fog spills out of the forest to swallow up the road behind you for you see ahead Jutting from the impenetrable woods on both sides of the road, you see something new. High stone buttresses, looming gray in the fog. You see huge iron gates that hang on the stonework there, dew clinging with cold tenacity to the rusted bars. You see two headless statues of armed guardians flanking the gate, their heads now lying among the weeds at their feet. They... And the gate greet you only with silence. Well, this is foreboding. I think it's encouraging. It shows that there are people around here, or perhaps were at one point. Well, the torches are lit. That presumes some sort of inhabitants. Uh, Amity yells out, Is anyone there? Your voice is muffled. There's not even an echo as your shout is swallowed by the fog. Kiva's going to cautiously approach the gates and see if they're open or not. The gates appear to be closed, but as you approach within a few, uh, within a dozen yards or so, the gates slowly swing open, groaning and shrieking with the weight of years as rust flakes off of them and falls to the ground the hinges screeching as they move open. Before you, the road ahead continues through the woods. 
Kim is going to turn back and say, Alright. Do we go forward? Who opened those gates? Is there someone in there? No, we would have heard a crank turning. Yeah, I'm I'm uh Kiva's gonna step back from the gates a little bit. I'm not sure I like this too much, I must admit. I, I... Go ahead. I would like to take back my observation that this might be encouraging. Ah, that sounded like those gates haven't moved in centuries. Well, DM. go ahead. Uh, DM, do I still feel like we're being watched the same way that we were on the wood on the on the on the road? It's faded. You don't feel like you're being actively watched. You just feel a general sense of discomfort. Your skin feeling a bit too tight, a constant prickling on the back of your neck, your senses are on all alert. It's hard to tell if it's a matter of the unfamiliar environment or something of true concern. Yeah. Erthrandir is going to walk up to the gates, kind of peering up at these statues rather inquisitively. And he's going to see if he can get a read on how long ago these were carved by like the decay of the stonework by the styling anything anything he can figure out I would say make your choice of an investigation or history check good stuff that would be an Eight. All right, glancing over them, it's difficult to tell. The moisture that clings to them makes it unclear how long it might have been. The environment makes it a little tough. Uh, it could have been, it's certainly not decades, but glancing over them, they seem very old, centuries at least. Whatever this place is, it's been here a long, long time. Don't, it doesn't look like anything I recognize, although I might just be tired, but I think we're, you know, when we said earlier, we shouldn't panic. I think we might should start to a little bit. Oh, good. I've been panicking this entire time. I thought it was just me. <laughs> I guess we've just got to catch up. Uh Walking under those two, sort of a hundred foot tall halberds, is uh, bad luck. So I'm I'm going to maybe go around, um, and Amity takes a wide path around the the feet of one of the statues to get to the gate. It's a very specific superstition, love. Uh, it's sort of a general thing. Um, how do you suggest we panic? Uh. Respectfully? Together. If, if we're together, we face better than if we were alone, so take comfort in that. But we do need yep, to decide yep, whether or not we're going to go in or try to find some other place to go. Well, if we're panicking together, then I'll share that if we don't find civilization, we're probably going to starve. Well, maybe we just go past these gates, and you know, uh, how 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 wide can these can this wall go? I mean, if we don't like it, we can, I'm sure we can find an exit, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, woods can be enormous, you know, continent spanning some places, but uh, 
probably not here. We'll be fine. Thank you for the, the vote of reassurance there. Um, I'm sorry if you wanted reassurance. Maybe you should have talked to the lady with the fairy tales. Fair enough. Shall we, Kiva? Yeah, let's yeah, let's go. go. Uh, fairy, fairy tales don't always have uh, good endings, exactly. Lilith is just, just going to walk forward through the gates. Well, well, let's throw caution to the wind then, yes? All right. Arison, dear, no. Where do we go? Yep. The group of you passes forward through the gates as you do truffle, uh, glancing fearfully up at the high halberds that shadow the space over you as Amity squeezes her way behind the leg of one of the large statues and passes beneath the buttresses. As you make your way away from the gates, a few dozen yards away, you hear a faint creaking behind you that accelerates into a squealing groan, and with a slam, the gates shut tight behind you. Uh, Metrion rushes over to the gets, gates to see if there's any kind of mechanism or to see, like, like just to just to see if there's any reason why they're shut. And if, if... Kiva follows. If there's any way to, like, force them back open, just in case. Glancing toward the gates, uh, they do appear to be quite heavy. It's possible that you might be able to push them open. But as you look beyond you, you can see the fog spilling out of the forest until you can scarcely see five feet beyond the edges of the iron bars. Does it seem like the mist is, like, immediately creeping? Like, almost like... It's a slow transition. It was already thicker by the time you returned, but by the time you finished testing out the weight of the gate and realizing that, yes, it probably should be possible to open it with enough elbow grease, the space beyond in the forest you were traveling through prior is nearly all but obscured. Uh, Metrion is going to quickly back away, and his eyes are just wide with uh, tension. Uh, I, 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 there's something out there. I, I don't know what, but something... This, this, this doesn't feel right. Maybe it's better that... Look, maybe it's better that we're on this side of the gate now. We should keep going. And away from whatever that fog is. Yeah, and that's why the gate decided to suddenly slam shut, because we're on the better side of it now. Right, love. Can someone help me push this thing open? I I'm, I'm, not, I'm not opening that right now. I'll, I'll try. Just, just to make sure it can open. We can Air close it again right after. Does his best, although he is visibly straining. It takes a bit of a while, but the two of you together, straining and pushing for a good 30 seconds or so, manage to hear eventually the familiar shrieking whine of the hinges as the gate is pushed open once again, more of the rust flaking and popping off and protesting as the metal almost feels like it's resisting your push, but eventually it opens. The road before you lying forth once more, save for where it disappears into the thick, opaque, wall of fog right now that we know it can open um can we keep going uh yeah Emity closes the gate uh uh and continues traveling with the rest of them what's ahead what's ahead of us ahead of you you see more trees uh a bit thicker in fact than the other but 
the road continuing on through them away from the gate and into the dark woods ahead. Would you like to continue forward? Yes, please. Let's go. You continue on into the forest. The sound of your boots the only sound in this near silent forest. You see around you towering trees whose tops are lost in what seem to be a heavy gray mist that blocks out all but a death gray light. The tree trunks are unnaturally close to one another and the woods have the silence of a forgotten grave. It exude the feeling of an unvoiced scream. Lillison and Kiva, you catch the scent of death on the air. Um, can Kiva sort of uh, try to surmise if it's like a body nearby or is it just sort of a general, general creeping death smell? It seems to emanate from a certain side of the trail. Following your nose, it seems to come from a bit off the beaten path to the left-hand side, vanishing behind a large tree. If you'd like to follow it, you certainly can try to find the source. I'm going to go um, look for something. I, I don't think it's going to be good, whatever I find, but just fair warning, if someone wants to come with me, that would be appreciated. What are you, what are you looking for? It Do you smell like that? Someone died. That's reassuring. Uh, if we just leave well enough alone, yeah? Well, they... I'd like to know if, if the same fate is going to befall us and see at least what's going on. I'd, I'd like to go look. If no one wants to come with me, that's fine. Just um, If I'm not back in like, you know, 30 seconds. I'll go with you. Thank you. I'll listen. It's never a good idea to check these things out in stories. Well, we're not in a story. I'm not entirely convinced that's true at this point. But, yeah, good. Good luck. We'll be waiting. Alright, shall we? Let's go. With that, you pass through the underbrush, leaving the road behind, and as you move, Kivan Lasson, your eyes catch what seems to be in several places along the underbrush as you go, small branches that have been broken, the tops of small bushes that appear to be stained with bits of dried crimson. And as you pass forward ahead, you hear the sound quietly at first, then growing steadily louder of flies buzzing in the undergrowth. Ugh. Keeps going to cover her face with her cloak and uh, sort of continue to poke forward with her scimitar out. Lillison is... Sorry. Lillison is going to uh, cover her face with part of Metreon's tent um, and say muffled through it, Do you think Amity can talk to flies? Well, she can talk to that pig, or at least communicate somehow, it <coughs> probably wouldn't be a bad idea. Kiva, as she gets closer, is just, like, trying not to vomit with the smell. Do flies have, like, minds enough to communicate? Or would, it, would this be restricted to beasts, like, you know, from squirrels to cows? Uh, 
you're... I'll just say this now, I don't believe you're with them, but just for your edification. Um, Amity may have tried to communicate with insects in the past, but um, they don't really have enough presence of mind to communicate any meaningful information. So, uh, with that, Kiva and Lillison continue on following the stench, and eventually the foul stench leads you to a human corpse, half buried in the underbrush about 15 feet from the road. It's a young man, and he appears to be a commoner. His muddy clothes are torn and raked with claw marks, and it seems that crows have been at the body, which is surrounded by paw prints. The corpse has obviously been dead for several days, and appears to hold something in one hand, a crumpled envelope. Is everything all right over there? It's, uh, it seems to be someone who's attacked by an animal. Kiva's going to bend down and grab the note and try to look at it. Of course, and uh, if you will check your items tab in Foundry um, and check the handouts uh, folder, you should see Kolian Indirovich's letter, if you'd like to read that out. Uh, Lillison, should we go back to the group first? Yes, please. This is, uh, I would like to not have this smell in my nostrils. All right, so once we're back at the group, um, Kiva will explain what she saw and then read out the letter, which is as follows. Hail to thee of might and valor. I, the burgomaster of Barovia, send you honor with despair. My adopted daughter, the fair Irina Kolyana, has these has been these past nights bitten by a vampire. For over four hundred years this creature has drained the lifeblood of my people. Now my dear Irina languishes and dies from an unholy wound caused by this vile beast. He has become too powerful to conquer. So I say to you, Give us up for dead and encircle this land with the symbols of good. Let holy man call upon their power that the devil may be contained within the walls of weeping Barovia. Leave our sorrows to our graves and save the world from this evil fate of ours. There is much wealth entrapped in this community. Return for your reward after we are all departed for a better life. Kolyan Indirovich, Burgomaster. Uh, vampire? That's what I'm stuck on. DM, how... How much, or if, if at all, have either Metreon or any, any one of us uh, heard of vampirism or vampires? Uh, I would say, uh, if you'd like to, you may make an Arcana check. Oh, I'm not going to I'd do like that to do that, all. for sure. I would as well. Uh, that's an eight for Metreon. Is that just one person or anyone who wants to? Uh, I'd say anyone who wants to who heard the note. <laughs> that's a seven for Kiva, so we're not doing great. Ooh, bit better for Earth and Deer. That's a 20. Nine from me. And 15 here, but Ethan Deer would know the most, I guess. Of course, and uh, Amity and Earth and Deer. The two of you know that vampires are creatures of darkness. They are humanoid and were humanoid once, but have since become something far less. They hunger for the life that they lost and sate that hunger by drinking the blood of the living. Uh, Erthrandir, you know that 
vampires abhor sunlight. It's touch burning them, and that you can recognize them by the fact that they never cast shadows or reflections. Oh, that is, uh, well, they're, uh, a monster of sorts, I suppose. They, uh, they drink people's blood, and they, uh, live at night, and because the sunlight, they don't like it, and, and oh my god, we're all going to die. No, 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 no. Uh, so, it, it says the vampire's only, um, within the walls of, of Weeping Barovia. Like, that, that big wall, do you think within the walls is this side of it, or the other side? Because I think we should be on whichever side that isn't. I think, I think, where this note is, where the body was, we might unfortunately be inside walls of Weeping Barovia. And have any of you ever heard of Weeping Barovia? Because I, I can't for the life of me recall. Uh, it's, I've it. never heard of a place like this, or to be honest, a vampire before, so this is all quite shocking. I'll, I'll think back, but the name doesn't sound familiar. This is, a uh... So... I suppose we kind of have a choice now, don't we? We turn around, get out of the walls, and pray we make it to civilization before our food stocks run out, or head further in, get some supplies, and bug out as quickly and efficiently as possible. Kiva, Lillison, you said that the body you found was attacked by animals. Yes, there were paw prints all around it. And for what it's worth, my vote would be to go further in. We know now that there are people here, which I was beginning to doubt very severely. And and as you said, we could get more supplies once, once we found people. And I mean, it's not like the road out is going to disappear. Um, Metran looks back through the gates and sees that the road behind them is just now covered covered in opaque fog. No, of course not. <laughs> Alright, but look, vampires are creatures of the night, okay? And fortunately it's day right now. Um, so we're going to go in, we're going to get some supplies for a long journey, uh, maybe get a map, know where, where we are so we can get to Neverwinter on time, um, and then turn around... And, you know, even if we don't find supplies, I want to be on the other side of that wall before night. I think that's sure, fair. love. I think yep. that's completely reasonable. We should also probably get moving if uh, whatever attacked your friend over there uh, is still wandering about in these woods. I, for one, don't want to meet that. Will, it, it, you said it looked like... Did you see what kind... Did you see, like, if it was claw marks or bites or... Large claw marks in the middle of his body. It was... Um... It was quite a sight. Huh. Well, we should be alright. There's very few predators that'll attack people traveling in a group. They're not stupid, so we should be fine, as long as we stick close. All the same, I don't want to test the theory. I mean, it's hardly a theory. It's established science, but Can I take we move, it. Right. Can Please? we stop bickering <laughs> and just keep going, yeah? Sure, let's move. You continue on, leaving the stench of death behind, passing further down on the dark, claustrophobic road. You're not traveling for long, though. Perhaps 15 minutes go by before you come to yet another place where the woods part, and 
This time, there's a clearer sight ahead. The woods part at an elevated hilltop, revealing a silent overlook that looks down upon a small, lonely village clouded with fog, a river that flows as clear as a blue winter sky through the valley beside it. And up above, looking down upon them lurking like a great twisted giant, a dark castle that perches atop a mountain's peak, leering down over the small, quiet village below. And that is where we will pause for the moment. <laughs> 